This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and good evening and welcome. Uh, We're recording uh, the Episode, would you believe, 96, can't believe it, episode 96 of the Always Wolves podcast. And uh, we're joined tonight by Manny, Jason. How are you doing, everybody? And Jack, uh, Jason, obviously, and uh, from the Always Wolf, from, from, from the Wolf Whistle podcast, just done Bully on his hundreds, and you've got Jeff Thomas coming out later on the week. Manny is in full recovery mode uh, from your <laughs> epic adventures. And uh, and Jack, who everyone uh, really loves here on the channel on the Extra Time, has jumped on for his full podcast debut tonight. How are you, gentlemen? Good. Yeah, all good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Tired well, after the little... journey last night, Dave. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, did, I mean, was it? I saw something on the Samosa group. Uh, someone asked if you'd actually walked there last night. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I, on Facebook, I just um, made a bit of a quip saying 160 miles, four hours. That's a record for me <laughs> walking to Palace. And I actually got a couple of comments uh, from people saying, oh, well done. You did another walk. They actually believed it. And, I was like, and he got no winning no donations as well from it. <laughs> Mate, I was yeah. really impressed, actually, because I saw that you actually went to Palace last night. And, you know, I go to pretty much every away game. Jack does as well. And Jason goes to quite a lot. And um, I, I, I don't think, Jack, you made it, did you? No. Jason? <clears throat> no. no, I got offered tickets, but no. <laughs> you know, I and, had tickets, Dave, and, and I just... Uh, I'm a plastic. to get rid of them and just went, just thought, what the hell, you know. Did you go with the boys? No, just with my youngest. Um, Jeevan was at work. So, it, you know, we had to leave about two just to get there for, like, Six, otherwise you just catch the traffic, and um, we we actually drove through central London thinking it would be a, a quicker route. Oh dear! Anyway, uh, <laughs> what time did you get to the ground? Yeah, we got there really early. Like we got there early. We we were there like well before you know an hour before the kick off because it was ridiculous. Eight fifteen on a Tuesday, you know, night 
a match so far away. They've just got no regard for you know fans as, as normal. But yeah. We crazy, won't. crazy. Uh, could, as, as I say, I couldn't get the time out of work, so I couldn't go. It's pretty much similar for Jack and Jason, I'm guessing, as well. But, like, you made it there. We are yeah. going to be, obviously, kicking off with the Crystal Palace game, and then we're going to get stuck into the juicy stuff in terms <laughs> of uh, the next manager. Um, but let's talk about um, the Palace game first last night. Manny, what was the atmosphere like there, uh, generally, uh, before, during and after the game? From, well, to be honest, you know, um, Dave, you know, there was a lot of tickets. We we saw a lot of tickets float, floating about and people were sort of, you know, trying to get rid of tickets. And a lot of them, I think members probably got their hands on tickets for the first time for an away game. And we was probably a bit worried that there's going to be a few empty seats, but fair play to the, the Wolves away fans, the, the, the crowd that came there, because literally there weren't that many empty seats at all. You know, it was pretty... Packed away end. Um, I don't know what the exact figure was. So, you know, a really good following for it. Like I said, Tuesday, 8.15. Terrible place to go to. Terrible, oh, terrible even place. Even on the better even, days? Even to park and, and to be in. Uh, there was actually a, a who were from London and they were going to their only their second ever away day. And they saw me and sat down and they ran towards us. And they said, can we walk with you? Because we don't feel safe. Oh, right, because it was like yeah. they're not used to it's it. It's a little bit, you know, South London, it's a little bit hairy around there. You know, the streets around Crystal Palace, they're not the best in the world to be walking around, especially when it gets dark. So, But the atmosphere, I have to say, from the Wolves fans, considering we, we've lost all our songs, <laughs> was really, really good. You know, that they made a real good atmosphere. Um, Palace literally didn't pipe up until, obviously, they scored. They scored. And, you know, yeah, they, they they didn't hear the squeak out of Palace. I mean, without that drum, they wouldn't be doing anything. It, that drum was banging on, and they have got about like three hundred fans who sing in this little chorus. Their little, their little ultras. Yeah, and 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 the fans were great. You know, fans really backed the team. The team was obviously a bold, bold selection. I thought um, I liked it, and it actually proved that way than the way we started. So you know, it went really well. To be fair, I was really enjoying the game. Yeah, at half time, it was everyone was so up. Jack uh, and Jason, did you get to watch the game on the uh, the TV? Yeah, 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 yeah. Other streaming sites are available, but yeah, yeah, that no, was good. So, what did you make of it, Jack? I mean, I'd echo what Manny said. I think for forty-five minutes, I, I was quietly optimistic. I thought there's a bit of a tactical plan here. There's a the, the lineup's kind of a bit of a gamble, but it's worked so far. I thought Bueno coming in kind of showed exactly what you want from a young player coming in. He was fearless. He kind of wasn't bogged down by the the bad results we've had. He was kind of like just fresh to the team, wasn't he? Brought a bit of energy. Um, I thought, like I said, there's a bit of a tactical plan in terms of trying to whip them on the break, getting Nunes further forward. Kept Zahar very quiet first half. I think Samedo deserves a lot of credit. I'm sure we'll come on to Samedo when we talk about the second half. But yeah. first half, when he kept Zahar very, very quiet. And <clears throat> like you say, I think Steve Davis had probably got the team selection right. I know he was forced a little bit in terms of who was available and who wasn't. But he could easily have put Johnny in at left back, couldn't he? But he went, no, I'm going to go with Bueno. You know, he put Bubakar in instead of Matinho, which I thought was a big call to make given Joe's reputation. But again, I thought that worked for the best part of 45 minutes. So, you know, at half-time, we're all sitting there thinking, hang on a minute, we're up to 12th here. We're winning a game, back-to-back wins it could be. And it, it's all looking positive. But I, I do think 
conceding a minute into the second half just absolutely killed us. And it to talk completely talking, killed us. Talking about that second half, Jason, it was like they the Wolves players came out on the pitch early, but it was kind of they were still in the dressing room because they were so cold for that that goal. Um, both um, Bubakar Traore and Samedo should have done far better. Did you not think with that goal? 100%. But Dave, don't give these two the first half and let me talk about the second half, mate. Come on. Dave, <laughs> <laughs> talk about the second half. What did you think? Why are you talking about the second crap? half yet? Right, so let's start, on a, let's start on a positive, Dave. Steve Davis, yeah. for me, had nothing to lose in that game. You know, on the back of the, the, the win against, obviously, a very poor Forest side. Um, you know, he knows these young players better than anyone. Joe Hodge, Campbell, Braino. This is why they're getting opportunities. For me, Braino was unplayable that first half. I mean, what a full yeah. debut. Incredible. Yeah. To get an what a great like cross as well. as well. That's the sort of cross we've been screaming out for, for the goal. Yeah, for, for, for probably two years. And, you know, Trory hasn't put a, a ball like that in his in his, in his his career at Wolves yet. Braino, his first cross I've seen him do, straight to Trory's head. Uh, and, you know, and I think it was also encouraging to see the midfield driving forward as well. And he just looked so more open, so more fluid. And you know what? I'll stick my neck out and say that's the best first half that we've had this season. I think you're right. Uh, I agree, Jase. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. And now, Dave, I'll, as you've requested, I'll talk about the second half. Um, <laughs> and yet, listen, we did get hit by a sucker punch in the 46th minute. Now, the best time for a team to score is obviously just before half time or just after. And listen, Palace come out the blocks quicker than we did. And it's a goal. Back to the first half, though. Neves hits the post on the free kick. Scores that. It's a different game. It's 2 now. It was an absolute peach of a free kick. If it would have been a, yeah. a couple of inches the other way, it would have gone in. Yeah. And, it, and then, realistically, Dave, yes, there's still 45 minutes to play. But, it, you know, it's as good as game over, really. They've got to score three to beat us. They come out the block second half. And we... we, we I wouldn't say we capitulated, but we wasn't the first half side. Um, and we we all know what happened in the end. Just so disappointing because, like, you know, Jack and Manny were saying, I was expecting back-to-back wins. You know, we, we'd scored in the first half from open play. It was all exciting. And then, yeah. listen, you can't blame Steve Davis at all for that. He, he explained his substitutes after as well. Yeah. So, on uh, you know, on to, on to Sunday. Yeah, what did you uh, what did you make of um, of the second half then, Manny? I mean, obviously half time. You know I, I, I have to say the, the crucial bit for me was that Neves free kick. We haven't been two goals clear in a match since February. <laughs> it's nine February months. Twenty nineteen, Manny. <laughs> yeah, February nineteen. That's nine months. Women have babies in nine months, and we haven't we haven't been too we haven't been two girls clear, you know. And it, it and that cushion is really really important. So that free kick, it was a bit of bad luck, and it was a good free kick. We were on top at that time. We were playing well. Costa yeah. had had a chance where maybe you know if he'd been playing regular football, he would have probably took that first time. He tried to take a couple of touches and then toe poke it, and that was close as well. Uh, literally, Palace, I think, had that shot from, you know, long distance at the post themselves. But after that, I thought Wolves played really well, led by the fullbacks, Smedo and Bueno. Both of them, first half, were just rampant. You know, Zaha didn't get a kick. And Bueno was doing, playing one-twos. He was tackling back. He literally blocked every cross. 
that came in as well. So it was defensive as well as attacking. And so the second half, they've come out and we're all, honestly, the, the Way fans are really positive and everybody's up. And we, we're just, you can see that we're saying to the fan, we're saying to the team, concentrate, just concentrate, 10 minutes, just concentrate, you know, literally 50 seconds later, out of nowhere, you know, the ball comes on and this, Eze is a good player, but I don't think he's a far post, you know, he, heading merchant and he's completely on his own, isn't he? He's completely got the freedom of Celeste Park and that does change a game and for 10 minutes you're just trying to get a bit of control. Now, the substitutions, obviously, as fans at the ground, we ain't got replays or TV and we haven't seen any of the interviews. And I didn't see any of that Steve Davis reaction till this morning. So when that happened, it was like a complete shocker. There was a gasp from the away crowd that three quite important players, two who had played really well, had all been hauled off at the same time. Now, he's explained the injuries, but they didn't all get injured at that moment. So could he have staggered it? Could he have kept one on? Could he have kept Adama on for another 10 minutes and got the other two early? I just think, you know, Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace don't see, oh, these three are injured, that's why he's taking them off. Crystal Palace, Torrit Mitchell was punching the air because Adama Traore was going off because he was having an absolute nightmare. The guy was being roasted every time Adama got the ball. They panic and, um, uh, you know, to see him go off was a big relief. And and I just I just think, you know, Boomkar Traore committed fouls, but he put his foot in. He was pressing so hard in that midfield, something that we don't do. You know, he was running for everything. And, um, yeah, OK, he might be fatigued, he might not. I don't know, but it just seems strange doing all three at the same time. It took the impetus away. And then we we did come back, to be fair. I think, you know, personally, when Huang came on, I really thought he held the ball up really well. There was three or four occasions he held the ball up and he laid it up. Costa struggled to hold the ball up. Every time the ball went up to Costa. I think he faded, didn't he, Costa? Yeah, he did fade. But even the first half, he struggled to really, you know, they did bully him a little bit, and which is unlike Costa. But it's... Again, it's fitness. It's it's not having played football at that level for so long. It's going to happen. Where Huang did actually, um, uh, you know, bring the other players in, and 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 we we weren't that far away from maybe nicking a goal at the end. But you know, it was just so frustrating after playing so well in the first half, and just you know. But we, I think we can take positives. Last year. We played Palace away. We got absolutely hammered 2-0. We didn't lay a glove on them. We hardly had a shot. So if you compare it from last year to this year, we went ahead. We had a similar number of shots. We had similar possession, similar passing to a very, very strong Palace side, you know, especially um, going forward. So, you know. And Palace have come from one goal behind at home. That's the third time they've done it this season as well. And and we've literally, you know, every time we've gone ahead... uh, Struggle to hang on. Newcastle, Leeds, no Palace. You know we've gone ahead in all three games, and we and we've picked up one point from you know winning position. So that's that's a concern. That second goal is a huge concern. Five goals in eleven games is still rubbish. You know I know people have a go at Samado. To be honest, I didn't see again the angle from where we are as away fans. You can't see everything, and I didn't see Samado making 
the mistakes that you see on TV afterwards, especially him running back. Um, oh, on the that, second that second goal. goal. Yeah. The second because, goal. because the thing is, the first half... I thought was, my TV had paused. Grace, you know, the, the first half, he was literally, you know, he ruled Zaha. He played brilliantly. He was almost like our best player on the pitch with, with Bueno. And to see that second half was just... Yeah. You know, what is it? Is it a lack of desire? Is it a lack of just switching off? Is it mental thing? You know, because he's got the ability, he's got the pace. I don't know. Why does he do that, guys? I don't know. Well, we, we, we listen, you can't, against any opposition in the Premier League, you, you switch off and you're going to get punished. And Samedo showed that yesterday. And yeah. he wasn't fault, especially for the second goal, in my opinion. And that's obviously the goal that cost us the game. But the other thing we haven't mentioned is that chance that Costa had early on. Now, two or three years ago, he'd have ate that for breakfast. Yes, he yes. may have got caught under his feet. Why he didn't pull the trigger straight away, I don't know. Right, right, but he yeah. seemed to almost try and put it onto his weaker foot, unless he did get caught under his feet. But why he just didn't shoot? If he'd have shot, then, you know. Don't you, Jason, don't you think that's been a lot of the a lot of the uh, players, you can say that, they want to make <laughs> an extra touch. Yeah, absolutely. He's trying to walk it into the net, perhaps. But I think if he'd have hit that first time, it's a goal for me. Yeah. What did you think? I mean, we that, that I mean, I know it was ruled out for offside, but I was literally going nuts when we had a brilliant move. Was yeah. it was it Bueno again that knocked the ball across? Um, and then I think it was Collins that was a yard out and managed. Guedes crossed Guedes, it. I think Guedes was in. Guedes yeah, he was offside. He was, he was offside, but like again, had it? I, I think the offside saved him because he was a yard out and he he missed. I, 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 I think in Costa's defence, because he hasn't still got that match fitness, he's trying to give himself a yard, but he mm. passed a couple of yards off. I mean, you know, it was evident. But listen, one of them decisions will go our way eventually. But the, the, the encouraging thing is, look at his movement. You know, yes, it's not happening every few minutes, but he's getting into some good positions. And, you know, he will get goals this season, not as many as we expect. But I think his movement's very good and something we've definitely been missing. Well, we're going to come on to we're going to come on to talk about Diego and the impact he's made, not just on the field but in the dressing room in a little bit. What one other incident that I want to just cover before we get on to the managerial situation, and I'll go with Jack first, is the uh, the the penalty appeal. Your honest opinions? Do you think it was or or not? Right, this is what I think. I don't think that's a penalty, but given the one we were given on Saturday, they have to give it because I can't honestly see. Too much of a difference between the two. Yeah, it's with VAR these days. You've kind of got to judge it as black and white because that's what VAR has made things. It's it's no longer subjective. You can't look at an incident and go, well, common sense says he's probably not trying to do it deliberately, so we'll let him get off with it. VAR now says if your arm is in an unnatural position, and you're making yourself bigger, and the ball hits it, it's a penalty. And I think that fits the criteria, just like the one on Saturday when the Toffolo from Forest did it, and we got the penalty. So I can't mm-hmm. quite work out why they gave the one on Saturday, but not the one yesterday. That that would be my only sort of thing. I personally, I don't yeah. think either of them penalties. But if you give him one, you've got to give both. Well, I would say, and I'll come on to see Jason and Manny's opinion on this in a second. The one at the weekend was a hundred percent penalty because his hand was out and the ball was on target and it didn't come off anything else. And the one yesterday. I'm guessing they argued it, it his knee, then his arm, and stuff like that. They were kind of like, whereas the other one, it was just, it, it was a, it was a shot that was going towards the bottom corner, and it hit his hand. So that that's why I think there's a difference. Jason, your thoughts on it? 
Yeah, for me, I'll say it wasn't a penalty. I mean, obviously, Manny didn't have the comfort of, of watching it on right. the replays that we did. And yes, his arm wasn't in a natural position, but he's, it seemed to hit his leg and deflect slightly. I might be yeah. wrong. That's just my interpretation and an opinion on it. Um, but listen, with with the beauty of VAR, um, the ref should be getting it right every time. But I'm not about this decision. You know, about, you know the only thing I have to say is, like, obviously, when it happened, it happened so quickly and we didn't know. We all sort of appealed because everyone sort of did. But then... If you know the the top tier at Palace, they have TV screens because I can't see the pitch. So yeah. they've got TV screens and they all started. There was a big commotion going up because they were watching the replays. And when I see it, you know, I remember Kilman against Leicester. I remember that one where he, he stuck his arm out when he was running back and he just had his yeah, arm yeah. put his arm. Now, either it's the rule or it's not. You know, the handball rule is being turned into a complete farce, let's be honest. Every year, there's a slightly different interpretation. Now, if they say that if you make your body silhouette bigger by sticking your arms out and it stops the ball from progressing, it's a penalty, then it's a penalty. Because that's what, if that's the rule they've made, personally, I don't think it's a penalty. If, if it was my rules, it was just, you know, I didn't. it was a bit of a deflection onto his arm, but his arm was there. And if his arm was by his side, or he, you see a lot of players, they put their arms around the back, don't they, to avoid yeah. it. So they're, yeah. they're purposely showing everybody that, look, my arms are out the way. His wasn't. So because it wasn't, you can't say one week, let's give it. And the next week, uh, well, no, nah, nah, I don't think that is, you know. Uh, so at the end of the day, that ball was going across. And if it had missed his arm, it might have gone to an attacker so it still stops potentially a goal scoring opportunity so you know when I did watch it I did think you know that's something like pretty certain that it will be given later on in the season that's the inconsistency and like Jason says it should be now there should be no excuse they've got the technology they've got to decide yes or no they can't say yeah well that one is and that one isn't it's got to they've got to be a definite line and we don't know as fans let's be honest you know if it's a defense and the attacker it's different rules isn't it depending on whether it's deliberate or not as well which is complete farce isn't it um so yeah i guess i think i don't i think we probably all agree that probably would have been a soft penalty we given but like as you say by oh, yeah. the letter of the law it there's the where's the consistency there's not a consistency i think, yet. I think yeah. just to jump in there i think what we should be more aggrieved about was that that Joel Ward didn't get the second yellow when he followed through on, on Jose Sar right at the start of the second half. Yeah, I, think that's, I think if he hadn't been booked already, I think that's a stonewall yellow card. And it's one of them, isn't it, where you're kind of thinking, you know, it's a yellow card, so why is the referee not not giving him the second yellow card? Especially when, you know, Bubakar got booked for a minor trip, didn't he? I know he said it was an accumulation, but it's yeah. kind of one of them, isn't it? I think, again, it's ifs, buts and maybes. But if, if they go down to 10 men with... 40 minutes to play. I think it's, a, again, it, it falls in our favour, doesn't it? So I think that's probably one to be more disappointed about. Justin Rose agreeing with you there, uh, a definite uh, red. So look, that's the game. Obviously, we'll come on and look forward to the Leicester game and uh, and how Steve Davis is doing in a little while. But a lot of people really are interested in hearing our thoughts on the managerial situation. Obviously, um, we talked about this um, before Bruno got sacked. Uh, oh, they'll have a plan. 
it'll be sorted, someone ready to go. Well, we're like two and a half weeks um, into this pretty much and uh, we still still haven't got the manager sorted. Lopetegui's out the window. We've had, you know, Martins that's come in with the, the, the sporting manager. And it, Nuno was the, uh, the toast of the town last Thursday or Friday. We've, we've also <laughs> been... Could have been well, Jeff checking that one out on social media for us. Yeah, we've got Peter, <laughs> Peter Boss um, as well, um, who's in the frame. And, of course, we've got this uh, Michael Beale. Now, Jason, I know that um, you're a big advocate to bring in uh, Nuno back. Um, and obviously Not talk- anymore. Not anymore. Change my Not anymore. Where are Not you anymore. at now? What, what's, your th- what's your thinking? Uh, listen, like, like probably most people... Did I really know much about Michael Beale? No, of course I didn't. I've since done a bit of research myself. And you know what? I like what I see. I've maintained from the start that we need a manager on the uppers, on an upward trajectory. And I think Michael Beale is that. Yes, there might be fourth at the minute or sixth in, in, in the championship. Um, but actually, somebody sent me an infographic today. I don't want to DM me on Twitter. I don't want to share too much information. But they went to a webinar that he put on. And it's really interesting. Some of the things, like I mentioned a couple of things, um, that he wants to identify a clear style of play focused on players being able to show their unique qualities, flexibility to be unpredictable against opponents, um, a winning team, adapt to change in game as well. And But it's quite, it was a lot more in-depth than that. But this is a guy who studied football. He was never a professional, but he has studied and studied and studied football. And... Yeah. For me, I think, um, I didn't know much about him. I've listened to him speak. I've watched a few YouTube videos. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm quietly impressed at the minute. Um, he, he actually brought a video out today as well, pretty much resigning from QPR. I don't know if you've seen it. It's in Twitter account, South London Press or South South Something Press. Um, yeah. And he's basically saying, oh, you know, take each day as it comes. Um, yes, I've made no, you know, Lie that I want to manage in the Premier League one day. So he's pretty much saying to Wolves, come and get me. Clearly, they've already had some sort of dialogue. So I'm I'm quietly confident that this is the man. The only thing I'm disappointed about... It, listen, if we've had to wait for the guy, that's great. But the fact that Bruno Large needed to go, but as I said the other night, they didn't have any plan in place whatsoever. And they've muddled their way through it. It's looked pretty unprofessional, you know, from Wolves fans looking in. Um, but if they get this Michael Bale, I think it's going to be a shrewd appointment and I'll certainly be behind him. Well, then looking at the Twitter poll that I ran on uh, Always Wolves about this, you can see that 71% of Wolves fans, and there's over 200 that have voted on that, are a big yes. There's uh, 19 on the percent. There's only 10% that are dead set against him, which is quite, which surprised me, which is quite interesting. So I think a bit like what you're saying, uh, Jason, the more people look into him, the more people yeah. are coming around to thinking it, this could be a shrewd appointment, Manny. I, I, I was just going to say, sorry to jump in, Manny. Go on, carry on. People are, uh, uh, people are probably looking at, oh, he's the championship manager. I've never heard of him. Oh, he's never played professionally. And I get that. They're the, you know, they're the objections to it. But I think there's so, so many more positives to what he can bring after watching him and, and doing my own little bit of research. There's people out there researching him far more than me. And some very yeah. credible people are giving him, you know, giving him some real plaudits. So, yeah, he's, uh, I think he's definitely going to be a, a shrewd appointment. 
Yeah, you know what Jason says, um, Dave, you know, the most important thing is rather than us just say, oh, who's Michael Beale? Actually, use your noggin and Google and research and read and you'll find some information and then make a judgment. This guy at 20, the age of 20, he said when he was 20, by 40, I'm going to be a manager. He was driven. He's a, he's He's been described by one of his... QPR squad members as a genius of football. You know, you look at Emmy Martinez, the, the yeah. goalkeeper killer. He regarded yeah. uh, Michael Beale not as a coach. He was our second manager. Gerard and him were the managers. You look at what Gerard says about him. No top-line manager talks about their coach like Gerard talks about this Beale. And he's basically putting everything that we put on the pitch is down to Beale. I'm there as the manager, I pick the side, but this guy, I'm like years behind him on, you know, uh, methods, plans. He uses a system where he divides the pitch into three zones, the, the, the top 36 yards, the middle and the, and the back. And he believes in winning the ball in the middle 36 and then attacking. He's got, you know, attacking philosophy. He, he wants to empower each individual with exactly what they need to do and exactly what they need to do to improve themselves. And he makes players really clear. You you look at um, uh, responses from the players he's dealt with, all of them say, you know, we all sing off the, the same hymn sheet. We all know what we're doing. We all know what he wants. So he's like a almost like a philosopher of football at a very young age. He's not someone who's played the game at 30-odd and retired and thought, I'll take up manager. He's actually... You know, at the age of 20, decided that he wanted to be a coach. He wanted to coach kids. He wanted to then progress into top line sort of assistant manager roles, which he got at Rangers. You know, it's not a small club. And um, you look at the Rangers and the Villa fans. Villa fans on Twitter today are saying, oh, my God, he was the start of our downfall, losing him. You know, when he went, that was the brains. He was called brains, wasn't he, at Villa, I think. And um uh, so, you know, that, that's what you've got to research. So he's been to Sao Paulo. Just think about it. A young English coach had the balls to go to Sao Paulo in mm. Brazil. And he had one defeat in 20 games. One defeat in 20 games. And then they sold nine players. And, you know, it went a bit south after that. But he came back and he still got a top job. He went to, he, he was in the academy at Chelsea and Liverpool. You don't leave Chelsea to go to Liverpool if you're rubbish. Even even an academy job, Liverpool can employ whoever they want. So let's not just think, who's Michael Beale? Let's do a bit of research. Let's see the progression of previous coaches. Mikel Arteta, I mentioned, was only ever a coach, was never a manager. He decides to take his first managerial job and he's top of the league, you know, given a bit of time because he studied the game. You look at Graham Potter's... Um, Progression. The guy was just in the Norwegian league. If we'd have picked a coach up from the Norwegian league, are we going to suddenly say, "Oh, he's rubbish"? Graham we Potter's did. Doing... We did. So back. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Shut up, guys. Good example, Manny. You know what? Having said all this, obviously he's a gamble. Obviously, is a risk. But I think Wolves are in a position where almost any pa pa uh, manager that we employ will have a huge element of risk or gamble attached to it. But we're not going to get the Pochettinos, the Tuchels. The, we're going to prize Pep Guardiola off out of Man City <laughs> just yet. You know, so 
everyone below that level is always going to be a bit of a risk. And But you know what? He seems really driven. He seems really ambitious. And every time he talks, I've, I've listened to three or four interviews. There's also, if you go on coachesvoice.com, you can see his own words. So in his own words, he's, he's mapped out his whole career. So it's almost like at 20, he had this vision of where he wanted to be and where he wanted to coach and what philosophy. And that's quite a brave thing for him to do. And, and I, I'll back him fully. He's British, English coach. It's got a lot of experience at a very young age. And I think we should be excited about an appointment like that and not think, oh, well, he's not a fashionable name. And he speaks Portuguese. Yeah. Jack. Fluently. Jack. <laughs> Moving on to your, to your views. Man, I mean, that was really, really interesting what you've had to say. And I think, Manny, that's quite educational for everyone that's watching mm -hmm. or listening to this podcast. You've obviously done your research, looked into it. I've done the same. Jason's done the same. When you look at everything, Jack, let's hear your views on on this because you, you know you're always the voice of reason. Try to. Yes. No, no, I, I agree completely with what Manny and Jason have said. I think if we're gonna take a punt, and let's be fair, it is a punt. You know, yeah. he, I think the comparison to Graham Potter is very interesting because I think relative to budget and expectation, I think Graham Potter's probably been the success story in terms of Premier League managers in the last two, three, four years. You know, so if we've got the next Graham Potter, then that's going to be fantastic for us, isn't it? And that's probably what we're doing. I think we're not going to get a Guardiola, a Klopp, a Tuchel. That's going to have to be a Potter. It's, it's going to have to be a Potter, isn't it? And it's going to have to be someone that we can mould and, and almost be a stepping stone, yeah. But mm -hmm. someone that can come in, stamp his authority, show himself off. What a great coach I am. Look what I'm going to do with this group of players. I'm going to get them way above where they should be. And then I'm going to go off and do something else. And I think that's kind of what we need to do because that's our player recruitment model, isn't it? We sign a player for £15 million, put him in the Premier League. He's brilliant and we sell him for 30 And that's mm. kind of what we're going to have to do with the manager. We're going to have to get this guy from the Championship who's so well regarded. I mean, I've not read anything negative about him. None of his former players, former coaches, former you know, people who've worked with him have all said the same things. He's great, very driven, ambitious. Deep thinker on the game, very good tactically, good man manager as well, which I think is going to be very really important. important. Very important. Yeah. You know, because they do look like a team without direction and without leadership at the minute. So someone who can come in and bring that is going to be absolutely massive for us. So yes, yeah, so I I think he's going to be if it is Michael Bill, and it looks like it is. I think it's a very shrewd appointment. Yeah, it's a punt because you know people are saying he's not done a lot as a head coach, but. He's done so much more as a coach, hasn't he? You know, I think yeah. you talk about, oh, he's, he's only had 15 games as a manager or a head coach, whatever you want to use. But he's been coaching for 20-odd years. I mean, he started in futsal, didn't he? So he's going to bloody love Max Kilman. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know that will be, be the commentator's thing, won't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Michael Peel, who's also... Kilman, <laughs> did Max Kilman play futsal? <laughs> so did Max Kilman's new manager, Jason. Did you know no, that? I didn't know that. I'll, I'll tell you what. <laughs> my boss is a my boss at work. He's a Villa fan, and um, he, we were out together yesterday um, on appointments and stuff like that. We were talking, funnily enough, obviously about the Wolves and the Villa, and we were talking about Beal, and he he said straight out, like what you said, Manny. You spoke yeah. to a few Villa fans. It all started going wrong for, for Gerard when he left. Uh, I've read up. Um, there's a. There's a. Uh, I think it's called Rangers Noise Big Rangers uh, News Channel. 
that they've done a thing and they're all very big on Bill and they want him to come back uh, to to be their manager as well because he's, he's so highly regarded, again, for the coaching and the brains, like what you said when he was at Rangers, under Gerard's Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. So every, everything I'm hearing, and there's a lot of people that have, that have been on the channel and we've talked about it, going on and harping about why do we always go with Portuguese or whatever? Why can't we get a, an English manager? I'm like, who? Well, this is the who, isn't it? If we're going to yeah. go down that route, then it's... And, and looking at the polls and stuff, the majority of the Wolves fans are quite warming the more they look into it, that he could be the man. And from all the reports that we're seeing, he could be at Molyneux for the Leicester game, whether or not he'd be managing or watching it. But it's it's looking like they're looking at pushing this through, doesn't it? Go on, Jase. Well, the other danger is now that they've alerted other clubs to him. And mm. there's going to be managers that, you know, maybe West Ham or the village job coming up. He could be a prime candidate. So I think we've got to move really, really quickly. Mm. Yeah, you yeah. know, um, I agree. You know, it's, um, uh, it's, it's again, a little bit undercover. I mean, Fossen, for all their criticisms, they do a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well, don't they? A lot of player yeah. signings have happened that way where nobody's got a clue and then suddenly we sign someone. So maybe, you know, Maybe, maybe they've just been working on this guy as a as the backup to not getting Lopetegui. You know, and it, it's not just. I'm pretty sure it's not just popped up. You know, oh, who's he? It's he is regarded and he is known. And um, uh, you know, the Nuno was probably just a bit of a smoke screen to keep us occupied while they were working on it. You know, it's not easy to. I mean, he was. He probably thinks he's got time on his side to get into the Premier League and and take his pick of a, a decent club if he does well at QPR. So there might be a bit of him that thinks, so oh, I want to finish this project with QPR yet. Yeah, you know, I've still got something to, to give here. Um, but then again, these opportunities don't come all the time. You know, if he has three or four defeats at QPR because he hasn't got the squad he wants and and, and things go wrong, then he's, he's, you know, it's, it's a long time, isn't it? A, a match or two a month of uh, poor results in football, then suddenly your stock goes down. So I'm pretty sure if Wolves really want him and they really push out for him, they'll get him. And, um, uh, you know, and then us as fans, hopefully, um, looking at the polls and looking at, you know, some of the more learned opinions of fans, um, uh, it seems like people will be willing to to give him a real good crack at, uh, at doing a good job. Yeah, well, Gray Adams has said some people writing Beal off prematurely doesn't seem to be more of a gamble than anyone else. I think that's a fair comment. If you're watching the chat, and we've got well over 180 watching live uh, at the moment. Just put a yes or a no in the chat so we got us guys watching can sort of see where you're thinking and what the the, the vox pop is. I also hear that there's a buyout clause in his contract as well. Or there's a clause in his contract that uh, if Wolves meet that, he can. Uh, it can go that some of the journalists have been reporting that. But I think most of us on here, from what we're saying, it's like if it was to be him, you know, then I think the fan base will probably get behind him. And he looks like it's he looks like they're leaning towards that. I you don't can think see that, that Dave, I don't think there's like if you think about it, who else is there? So we have to ask ourselves, who else is there? And all the ones we've been linked with, apart from Le Petegui, the Pedro Martins or the the boss or They've all sort of failed a little bit at their clubs recently. Yeah. They've all failed a little bit. They've all got a bit of baggage. Now, this guy is clean. He hasn't got baggage. He's just started. He's ambitious. Like Jack said, 
literally I was scouring the internet for somebody to say something negative about him because you will always find someone saying something negative and you cannot find anybody to say actually he was a, a bit of a control freak or he didn't get on with so-and-so player or so-and-so fell out with him or he didn't have a plan B. There's pretty much nothing out there that suggests that there's obviously he's very young in his career as a manager but even when he was a coach there's nothing out there apart from praise there's also links of him you know being close with Ancelotti and Mourinho when he was academy coach learning off those guys so he's been around these big top clubs he would have got a lot of information and he seems really ambitious and really confident you know and and that's that's what I like he's like a really straight kind of talking guy and he knows what he wants and I think we should, you know, look forward to it if we do appoint him. And, uh, of course, this story will run and roll over the next um, 48 hours to 24, 48 hours to 72 hours in the build-up to the uh, to the Leicester game. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more on this. I think Wolves are waiting probably to make an official approach until after the uh, the QPR game tonight, which I believe they're winning. And Ray Bish, uh, Ray... Uh, who's watching on Facebook, says QPR are currently top of the league. Well, so, yeah. uh, there you go. Let's talk about our interim manager uh, and managers, uh, Steve Davis and um, what's the other ch- chap's name? James Yeah, how do you think uh, they've done? I mean, they've took the, the team for three for three games. We'll kick off with you first on this one, Jason. Yeah, I think they've done well. They haven't really got anything to lose. It's It's a, it's a bit of a bit of a romantic story, isn't it? Steve Davis, you know, getting a chance to manage his boyhood club. And I'm, I'm really pleased for him because, listen, we'd all give limbs to be in that position. Obviously, he's worked for it all his life. He's also an accomplished manager as well. Um, and I just think it's important that whoever comes in, yes, they're going to bring their, their own backroom team in. But I think these guys are still integral um, to, obviously, the under-23s and under-18s, which is where they'll be moving back to. But also that link to the first team as well, because I think they've um, you know, I, I think that what's what's been different for me is, you know, the on the pitch, Pete players have just, I don't know, we've almost opened up a little bit. We've, you know, took the handbrake off, as I said last night. Um, and I, I just think that that you know they are they are that the job they've done in the last three games for me. Yes, the results haven't been there, but it was tough. You know, they've had to pick up by the scruff of our neck. Um, you know, fair play to Steve Davis and James Collins. I think they've done a good job. And it was nice to see Matinho on the bench the other day, Gene, the players along. Um, that was brilliant, you know, and that, that gave us all a buzz. And that, that, that's what I mean. It's just, just seems so different. I think Large was, well, holding us back, you know, yeah. on the peak massively. Um, mm. And yeah, they just had the chance to express themselves. Uh, Jack, your thoughts on, um, on, on, Obviously, Steve Davis. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was always going to be difficult. And I think in a short period, short period of time, it's difficult to make a massive impact. But I think what's been really good is that the players seem to be enjoying their football again a little bit more. You know, I think sometimes watching Wolves in the last 12 months has been difficult for us as supporters. So you think the players must also be feeling, well, this this football isn't working. This is boring to, to play. This, is, this isn't exciting us as, as players. Whereas I think it's not been amazing under under Davis and Collins, but there's been a little bit more spark, a little bit more creativity, and a little bit more effort and passion and, and commitment. 
And I think that that's obviously what they're going to probably take from it, isn't it, really? That they've actually got a tune out of these players where, where Bruno Lars was, was clearly struggling. I mean, I think when you watch sort of the under-21s and the under-18s, you can kind of see that coming through with their coaching. They're very expressive. They like players to make mistakes because that's how they learn. And I think that's really important that sometimes in football we forget that, that actually a lot of players are still developing, still growing as players. And they're going to make mistakes. You know, we, we've pulled players apart tonight, haven't we, about mistakes they've made. But as long as they learn from it, then, then they're going to be fine and they're going to be better for it. So I think having those voices in and around the, the squad, even if they are sort of not demoted, but moved back down to, to academy roles, I think it's going to be really important. We have got a fairly young squad. I mean, I think the, the average age of the back four yesterday was 22. Yeah. Which is crazy for the Premier League, really. Yeah. It is. And I think he's carried himself where the, they all have with a lot of dignity and how he talks as well, man. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. You know, um, the one thing he's done, he's revealed to us that we've got a decent academy. You know, yeah. got Campbell, Bueno and um, uh, Hodge. Hodge. You know, come into the, into the Premier League. This is like the toughest league in the world. He's introduced yeah. them and they've all offered something. And, and pretty much we've been struggling for players to come through the system. Even Man City, even Liverpool with Carvalho and Elliot and people like that, they still bring uh, academy players through. So that's really encouraging. So I hope they are retained as part of the setup. <clears throat> I'm a little bit thinking, you know, Rob Edwards was interviewed or allegedly had an interview about some sort of role. Maybe that's their new approach that, you know, the Beal... Edwards, Collins, Campbell, like an English young, hungry manager, managers, you know, and and who know the who know the culture of the football here, who know the you know how important it is to the fans. If by if you saw the bench when Large was in charge, literally he was he was on the touchline in his technical area, and you literally never saw any other person alongside him. And Tony Roberts sometimes joined him, but there wasn't. There didn't seem that much activity behind him. Even in the Nuno days, you had a lot with his backroom staff. They would all be hugging at each goal, probably because Large didn't see any goals. That's why probably he didn't do that. But, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> but you know, we saw that suddenly. Uh, uh, Jones uh, under Davis and Campbells and, and Matinho, and, and we, we saw that, you know, a little bit of action on the touchline, which brings the fans on side. So, um, you know, I hope we do because these players... What I liked about the, the what his his biggest decision so far was when Ait Nuri gets injured, he just it was almost like he, he wants a left-sided player to play at left back. So he picked Bueno. He didn't pick the right-hand sided player to play at left back, which large would do. So he, he wants a winger, I'm playing Triori. I want a striker, Costa. I need someone to break everything up in midfield. I'm playing Bubakar Triori. So he's almost like a proper coach picking the right player in the right position. Um, mm. uh, and, and, and you know, that's really, really good good to see. Um, so, it, yeah. It really I hope is. They, it really I hope is. They, I hope they have, play a part. I don't know if Beal's got his own coaching staff. He's new, isn't he? He's new. This is his first managerial job. He probably hasn't bedded down his own little backroom team. So, <clears throat> hopefully, um, they've all got a part to play. They have. And Jason, Manny brings us on to a, a, a obviously subject that you wanted to talk about. Very well done, by the way. Uh, and that's the young players. Because you wanted to uh, call a couple, couple of points on that, didn't you? 
Yeah, just I think Davis and Collins linked with the young players. It was just nice to see them get the opportunity. I didn't know much about Bueno and Hodge Bueno, however you pronounce it. I didn't know much about these guys. And you know what? They they look like really good players. They do. And they've adapted well. They've adapted quickly. They're still, as Jack said, they've got a lot to learn. They're going to make mistakes. Um, but to be chucked in in a, in a game like last night, Bueno, and, and to do the assist he did, just shows how much confidence he's got. And that confidence doesn't just come from the player within. It comes from the management structure giving them that confidence. Um, and you know what? It, it, it is so important. How many foreign players have we signed um, on a bit of a whim, you know, didn't really know who there was, paid millions, millions for, and haven't really produced. And yet we've got a player like Brayno, who, if we'd have signed him for 20 million, he'd have put that performance in yesterday. Nobody would have batted an eyelid. No, mm. but nobody. That it, you know, what a signing. So I think we've got to give the, youth, the young players a chance. And I think Michael Beale will be someone to do that because he does believe in youth and young players as well. So I think yep. it could be a fantastic mix. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And Chem Campbell's just signed a new uh, long-term contract as well. Yeah, and fantastic. Yeah. You know, and he played, uh, I can't remember the game. Yes, Sam. He came on. And he come on without fear, beat two or three players on the byline. Do you know what? That's what we want. The more experienced players sometimes, like Costa last night, hesitated a little bit on his chance. Probably thought mm. about it too much. Shem Campbell, nothing to lose. Just goes and beats two or three players, gets the, the fans up off the seat. That's what we want to see. So it's good that they're being given this chance. We do want that. And we what we're looking for as well with the new manager, you've said about the man management is so important and being able to get a connection with the fans again. And also being able to get us off our seats, and hopefully that will come. Jack, how impressed have you been with the likes of Chem Campbell, Bueno, uh, Joseph Hodge, all of those type of players that have, you know, are starting to make their appearances, full debuts for the team as well, coming on and being part of that uh, bigger squad that they're getting experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's kind of there's been a lot of investment into the academy in the last since well since Folsom came in, really. And I think we're starting to sort of see the the rewards of that. I mean, I think what really helps and what we do differently to a lot of clubs at academy level is we really blood them young. I mean, last year when we were playing under-23 football, we got promoted with a mm. team at average age of 18. And in fact, and the, the, the under-18... You watch a lot of under-23 yeah. youth football, don't you, the Wolves? You go to yeah. a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, at one point last year, towards the end of the season, the under-18s were mainly 15 and 16-year-olds. 
because the 17 and 18 year olds have been pushed up to 23s football. And uh, and I think that's a really good way to do it because that that gives them just that really early indication of this guy's going to be good. I mean, you watched the uh, under 18s last year get to the FA Youth Cup semi final, and you're seeing guys like Lemba Kisa, Ollie Tipton, uh, uh, Harvey Griffiths was in there, Tyler Roberts, Nathan Fraser, fantastic players. And now this year they've stepped up to 21s football and they're doing really well again. And it mm. and it won't be long until those guys are being blooded into the first team, whether it's travelling with the squad being on the bench, you know, maybe getting five minutes at the end of a cup game, that kind of thing. But there's a real sort of progression there. And you can kind of see that with players. They're thinking, well, you know, that guy, he was in my position two years ago and now he's starting games for the first team. Now he's coming on in three games in a row for the first team. That could be me. And I think mm. that's kind of really going to help them long term. And I think the likes of Chem Campbell, who, you know, for me, is a real talent. I've questioned his attitude in the past with the 23s. He's got a, a real streak in him for getting sent off and, and, you know, petulance. But he's really knuckled down in the last 12 months. And he's become a real key player for that 23 group. Hugo Bueno, similar, has kind of outgrown it almost. Luke Kundal did the same last year. He was obviously far too good for 23s football. So he's gone out on loan. And it's, it's that kind of thing. There's that real almost conveyor belt where players are kind of, they judge them far earlier. We're not keeping players till they're 22, 23, and then going, actually, we're not sure, so we're going to let you go. It's kind of like, you're 19 years old. We think you're good enough. We're going to back you 100%. We're going to either get you out on loan to play this football like Taylor Perry's done, or you're going to be part of this first-team group travelling every week with the squad. And I think that really, really helps them because they're, being, they're given the right sort of guidance from a very from the very start, really. And you have to give credit where credit's due because folks do come under some criticism and they have invested a lot in the academy and the facilities and all of that. And like you say, starting to bear fruit. Some final thoughts before we go on to the uh, the next subject, Manny, on the young players. You know what? Well, I was just thinking about uh, reading um, uh, some of uh, Beale's stuff earlier. And this QPR player was talking about how he'd worked all his life with young players, under sevens, under nines, under twelves, under fifteen. So when he came into the QPR setup, they had a lot of young players. And it was so natural for him to work with young players. So, you know, that our squad is actually, you know, if you look at Kilman and Collins, yes, they make mistakes because they're not still experienced, you know, top-line professionals. They'll, they'll get there. They've got all the attributes. And to have a manager that's experienced in working with young players and encouraging, and he, he becomes like your mate and he encourages, he finds what makes you tick if, you, if he... He develops a plan for each individual player and he and he gets them to focus on themselves to contribute. And um, uh, I just think it'll be a positive, um, uh, you know, and, and it's great to see them through. Like Jason said, we can't... If we, you, we, if we had Aitnuri and Johnny um, injured and we had no left-back and we were allowed to sign someone on an emergency, we'd have to go and spend 15, 20 million on getting somebody of Bueno's performance last night. You know, and and they might not have produced the quality they produced. We spent thirty odd million on Guedes, and you know, forty odd million on. There's eighty million we've spent on a couple of players, and yet, then we've got Hodge, and you know, Hodge and Bueno coming in, who have like really impressed us. So it's really, really important, you know, that we can't just because they're academy players, we've actually got to think about what their value could be for us as well. So like someone like Luke yeah. Cundall came in last year, did really well. So from from having Matinho, sorry, Matinho, Nevers and Den Donker in midfield and no options, now we've got 
Matinho, Neves, Traore, Hodge, Nunes, and we've loaned Kundal. That's six. We've got six midfielders suddenly. Conor so, Ronan, is Conor yeah, Ronan still around? This Conor Ronan. So we've got seven midfielders suddenly from having three. So, and that's because we've encouraged the youth into the first team setup, blooded them, given them the confidence. And remember, they've come into a team that's playing poorly. They're not coming to a team that's at the top of the league and it's all going to be hunky-dory for them. They've had to really work hard and they've and they've all produced something. And, um, you know, um, uh, long may that continue. There's nothing better for a Wolves fan to see a homegrown talent run on that pitch. It gets the crowd up. We, we, we love that. And, um, uh, you know, and the pressure, like Jay says, the pressure's off those kids because... They're fearless. They don't have the. They ain't got a price tag. You look at Morgan Gibbs White. He's a good. He's a decent player, but that forty odd million quid is going to haunt him for the rest of his life, isn't it? It's it's not going to. You know, it's never going to go off him now. He's Only until be... he got the signing on fee, Manny. Yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> well, <I'll tell> you, <laughs> that'll soften the blow a bit. <laughs> tell you what, as well, which is I think is important, the fact that they've come on and took part and done well. The next time they get the chance, they're, they're in the red. I've done this before. Mm-hmm. I can do it again. It's you know, it builds the builds their confidence. Now the, the next subject, who I don't know who wants to go first on this, so I'll leave it for you three to decide. Um, this is going to be talking. Can we talk about the performance of the manager, the performance of the players? Let's talk just uh, because I think we should the performance of um, Jeff Shee and Manny, Manny, Manny. No, I'm going. I'll go for Jack, the debutant. Manny's going first. I'm going with Jack. Go on then. Go on then, uh, Jack. Do you fancy it? Yeah, yeah go, go on. on yeah, I'll have a go. So go I mean, then. I think if we start with Scott Sellers, I think the academy is, is functioning fantastically well, like we've just mentioned. Unfortunately for Scott Sellers, I think that's only part of his job now as a sporting director. I think he's also in charge of, of the medical team, and I think they're underperforming badly. I mean, I still I'm I'm staggered that they let Nunes carry on last night after he got that that bang on the head because he looked absolutely, he almost looked concussed didn't he when he when he got back up yeah. off the off the grass. And and we've had two or three players this year that have played on with injuries, and and good knows what that's done to him in terms of long term, in damage, you know. But um, I, I, I've always said with Scott Sir, because I've met him a few times at 23 games. He comes across a really nice guy. He's, he's obviously very well respected within youth football. If we'd have kept him there and just said, right, you're our academy manager, and this is you've got to put a 10-year plan into place, I think we'd all be shouting from the rooftops, what a brilliant academy manager we've got, what a great academy mm-hmm. we've got. I do question whether he's been over-promoted, and I think whether he's kind of got the, the clout and the nose to kind of run a, a Premier League top half football club, which is what we're trying to be as a sporting director. If you look at the other teams in our position with their sporting directors, directors of football, whatever you want to call it, they've got a lot more experience in that area than what Scott Sellers has got. And I think perhaps I admire the club in a way for promoting within and kind of going, we're going to give this guy an opportunity. But I do think part of perhaps the long term strategy to kind of establish ourselves in that top half is we need someone at, at board level who understands that kind of role a little bit better than what than what Scott does. Like I say, I think you can't knock him for what he's done with the academy, but that's only a small part of his job, really. Obviously, recruitment has, has been up and down, hasn't it, in the last couple of years? I mean, we, we all kind of agree that we had a really good transfer window this this summer in terms of Nunes, Guedes, Collins, and all those guys coming in. But before that, it was kind of very much you know open for debate, wasn't it, whether we were stronger after con- after concluding our business? 
What about what are your thoughts on Jeff Shee then? Before we go on to um, talk to Manny about the this I mean, and Jason Gillan. Again, I, I think with Jeff Shee, it's kind of how you judge him. Has he been successful at Wolves? I think overall, probably yes, because he took over as executive chairman when we were a mid-table Championship team, and we're now fifth year into the Premier League. So purely on that on that basis, you'd say, well, he must have done something right in those five years to have got us to where we are. But again, whether he's kind of got the long-term strategy and plan. I mean, you see with the, this search for the new manager, there's clearly not been a cohesive strategy in place. Yeah. It was very much kind of like, let's go for Lopetegui. And if he turns us down, then we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But that that's not good enough for a Premier League club. You've got to have something in place if your number one target turns you down or... For example, with the the injuries we've had, you know, if, if player gets injured, what's your strategy? You're going to bring someone in. You're going to bring someone up through the youth team. That's been very scattergun at times, hasn't it? You know, so uh, I, I do wonder whether, you know, to fully kind of progress as a club, we're going to need stronger leadership at the top. I, I do kind of question that at the minute. You make some good points, Manny. Do you want to come in on to uh, on the back of Jack's points there with your your? You know views? what? Sometimes it's like so easy, obviously, um, to criticise the hierarchy um, because a lot of time we don't hear anything. So you just build up your own opinion in your head and then you go with it. Um, I know Wolves did the Ask Wolves, and, and they were brilliant, and we had an opportunity to ask our questions. But you know. Uh, in the days of Dalrymple and Kevin Thelwell, I just thought we had more regular information, a more regular interaction with fans of the, the club, whether it was through groups or through, you know, social media. And now that is missing. Now, Jeff Shee seems like a very quiet, um, almost like a lonely man. I'm sure he walks the corridors of Molyneux on his own and nobody walks with, sits, sits in the canteen on his own with his well, own. We, know, we, know, we know he goes to the games on his own. because we. Yeah, he, I mean, we, we saw him yesterday, Dave. He, he pulled up in his white car and he was on his own, drove there and like, you know, and he. I remember we saw him in Huddersfield and he parked in a, he parked in one of those estates. You pay like 15 quid. And we parked there and Jeff Shee parked there, Huddersfield away. So he's a very, very... <laughs> sort of private individual I think and he doesn't really unless somebody really asks him in a like the way Johnny Phillips did in that format he is not really forthcoming so maybe we're all thinking he hasn't got a progression plan maybe he was like you know Lepetegui's my first one but then after that we're not going to go down that route we're going to you know go for someone like Bill <laughs> maybe maybe there was we don't know they have got the academy right um Sellers, for me, I don't think he should be in that job. I think he's been promoted beyond his capabilities. I agree with Jack. He should have should have left him in charge of the under-23s or the academy or building that side of the football club, working with Collins and Davis, and bring in a top-quality sporting director. You know, clubs spend, like us, with record fees on players, you know, named players, we're bringing Neves and Nunes and bringing in all these players and Raul and Jotterall. But what about, you know, the staff? Haven't we got to invest in that? Haven't we got to look for the best people to run that side? And I don't think, no disrespect to Scott Zellers, that he's the best person for that job, you know, in that role. And, um, uh, you know, let, they've got the managerial appointments, by and large, wrong in their tenure. 
you know, let's be honest, Nuno was the one lone success. The rest of them were pretty much failures. So this this could be the tipping point. If Bill does come in and does well, fair enough. But if he doesn't, then you know people will. Well, ask you're right. Serious question. One way, on, one way you know, even, even Posen, you know, if they've given 100 million quid and sent it to Jeff and said, "Go and get us European football again," and we're fourth from bottom, and you've just changed managers and we're still there, so you know, surely they'll put pressure on 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 those individuals as well or change them. So this is a, a crucial time, you know, and it's not all about. Um, esports and all that side, yeah, I know it generates money and it's great, but we, it doesn't that doesn't relate to us, the fans who travel home and away. We just want to see our team perform on the football pitch, score goals, and win, win football matches. And, and 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 that's the only thing that changes it. She and Sellers become absolutely brilliant because we win football matches, and if we're losing, then you know, they'll people will point the finger at them as well, quite rightly. Well, the reason why I bring it, obviously bringing it up, and, and, and I think it's a fair point as well that Stu Kelsey makes about the global brand has expanded, all that sort of stuff the, through the pandemic. Yeah, and yeah, that's good. That's the other side of it, isn't it? You know, that they're working on, which I think is all great, building the brand and it bring, building the revenues and building the, the models, which I think is, you know, has been a success. Um, but on the football side of it, there's got there's been in the last year there's questions about the Triori going to Barcelona us paying for him to play there when we could have done it. You've got to ask questions about why we're selling Cody for four and a half million to Everton at the end of the season. Why has Fabio Silva been allowed to go out on loan for a whole season when we know we've got issues with that uh, with our striking department? And there's no recall option. All of these to me are very questionable. And, uh, and a lot of important players haven't signed on the dotted line as well. So, but, you know. I mean, with, on, with, Silver, with Silver Dave, the reason he's gone out on loan to the Belgian league is to get his stock up because at the minute it's it's a player who signed for 35 million who scored four goals. So, yes, his stock is going up. That's why they've extended his contract as well, you know, clearly because we're going to lose him for a year. I, I, get, I get that, Jason. I get what you're saying. I agree with all of that, and I think it's about having a viable we replacement. In we haven't, we didn't, yeah. we didn't. Oh, no, put we, a no, we haven't. No. Oh, exactly. No, we, we we haven't replaced him. Exactly. Mm. You know, I, 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 I concur. With regards to she and Sellers, um, I mean, there was the, the jokes going about about Jeff Shee that he was driving the bus, selling the hot dogs, doing everything, wasn't he? Cleaning the changing rooms. <laughs> And I think, realistically, she and Sellers are probably doing the jobs of about four or five people. Absolutely. Um, and I, I don't think there's a, a strong enough link between um, Jeff Shee in whatever position he, he, he purports to be, the chairman. And, you know, a director of football would be a great link. Somebody, a stronger character than Sellers. Listen, I'd imagine there's quite a few yes-men around the club. I'd imagine there's quite a, pe quite a few people who don't want to lose the jobs. Quite a few people who feel privileged to be in these positions. Um, and I think if Scott Sellers is overseeing the medical department, which isn't great at the minute, overseeing the academy, now first team, that's too big a job. You know, I'm not going to... Equally, the Wolves fans need a scapegoat on and off the pitch, don't they? And, you know, the scapegoat off the pitch at the minute appears to be Sellers. Um, Dalrymple, on to that point, never got replaced. To Jeff Shee, just muddling along. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think there should be another two or three people in key positions within the club, within the hierarchy, 
to assist these guys. And then I think sellers had better be judged on doing a specific job as opposed to the three or four he's, he's doing at the minute. I think I think that's that's bang on, isn't it? Because you can you can, you can you're only human. You can only be be over so many things, and if you've got too much on your plate, mistakes get made. Um, yeah. And you know, I mean, we, you know, I've defended defended quite a lot when I have a lot of people come sometimes go on the channel posting out all this sort of stuff, and I'm like, I have to keep reminding people, look what they've done and where they've got us to. Yeah. Things at the moment are not brilliant on the pitch and there's you there's questionable decisions but on the whole they've got a lot of things right they have invested in the money they've backed bruno and now they're looking to get the manager in if they get the clock like Manny said this manager right everything goes in the right direction yeah. boom if it goes wrong it goes down doesn't it go on jason yeah, sorry i was just going to say you, you look at the football we've seen look at the players that come into our club look how the place has transformed you know mm. it was Two seventh place finishes, European football. I mean, it's just in beyond our wildest dreams. We never thought we was going to get anywhere near there. Yeah. But equally, you know, they're not uh, immune to any criticism. Absolutely. This manager's, no. this manager's it's, it's been an absolute shambles, hasn't it? You know, yeah. we've been linked with everyone. I mean, the Sean Dice thing, I've still got a bit of a beam of on it. Because <laughs> now he's been linked with West Brom. You know, it's, I just don't get it. Why was he even being considered? You know, or was yeah. he? We, it's just the communication lines have been very, very poor. Yes, they're not going to come out and say targets they're after, you know, and alert other clubs to them. But I just think it's been pretty poor from start to finish, especially when managers then go into the press and the media and start saying, you know, we rejected the job or, you know, I just think it's been pretty poor from start to finish. But hopefully it will be a positive finish and Michael Beale will get the job. Absolutely. Can I just well, say something about the medical department, Dave? Yes, you know, yes, of course. Yeah, I just want to jump in about Dr. Matt Perry, you know, and yeah. when he was at the club, you know, when the pandemic hit, I remember him being on, like, this big call with, like, doctors from all around the world, and he was a representative from England, you know, how we were going to fight this pandemic. He's got that much respect yeah. in, the, in, in the field, you know, and it wasn't uh, a coincidence that our injury record was second to none. Yes, there's probably a bit of luck there, but, you know, our players were fit. They never really broke down in any of the matches. Never, ever would you ever have Matt Perry, I think, misdiagnose a player and send him back on the field. We had it with Kalajic. We had yeah. it with Neto. Both yeah. out now, long term. Like Jack said, Nunes. When we were on the side where Nunes got injured, he was on the on the on the floor for a long time. And when he gets up, you can see them running concussion tests. And you think, you know, they they sent him back on. And you think, you know, who? How did they make that decision to say yes, you're fit and you can go back on? And and Matt Perry never got those decisions. Really, he didn't really get them wrong. Let's be honest. And um, and we lost that, and we changed the whole setup. And we've got a new new doctor and not new medical staff. And you've got to ask questions, you know, because we've got a lot of injuries and, and people 100%. break down very easily. So, um, you know, he, he's probably a big, big miss in that area. And that Yeah, I mean, we talked about that because, it, I mean, the amount of injuries that we seem to be picking up and long-term injuries as well. It, it, it starts to become not another one, not another one again. Well, let's, let's look on something a little bit positive because we've covered that off and we've still got... Um, 
to come on to the Leicester game, and we've got a few questions at the end. But uh, Manny, um, I, we went to see the uh, the Wolves women beat the uh, the West Birmingham Baggy Birds last week. Uh, we should <laughs> mention the Wolves women and Macca. You actually went in and did a, a team talk. Oh man, you know, it was it was a team talk. Don't I'm not Michael Bloody Bill. Trust me. <laughs> no, what, what it was, you know, um, Macca. I've mentioned before. He is honestly. If you ever see him at a game or anything, go up to him and have a chat with him. He's one of the nicest blokes you'll ever speak to. He, he obviously he's, he serves with RAF, you know, and um, uh, he was called away last year on a on an operation, so he missed the the end of the season, really crucial period. So he's like there, you know, he's serving his country. He's he's um. Uh, running this football team magnificently and he he watched the end of my walk and when he watched the end of my walk he, he said i just got tearful and he's a really emotional guy as well he got tearful and he goes it was absolutely inspiring to see and then he called he just called me in and he goes we're going to go into the team room it was about seven o'clock and i just want you to say a few words to a few a few words to the girls you know and um they're a fantastic bunch you know and i say to any fan if you're ever free on a Sunday, two o'clock, it's free for season ticket holders. These girls, honestly, I am going to hold my hands up. Women's football got a bad press over a number of years, and we were all guilty of it. We watched it, and we all thought, "Oh bloody hell, they don't know what." They're... And I was—I'm not going <laughs> to lie, you know—back in the '80s and '90s, it was like that. And when I went to my first game uh, four years ago, I was like, "Wow." You know, Tammy George, she's only slight, but she's exactly what you need in midfield. She does not pull out of any challenges, any 50-50s. And these these girls ain't getting paid wages or anything. They're, they're actually working. They're, 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 they're lawyers and solicitors and, and nurses, you know, and then they're putting... And, and, and McNamara's got... Dan McNamara's got them all singing off the same hymn sheet. He's a brilliant coach, brilliant manager, has everybody in a huddle at the end of the, the game and he talks to them on the field and it's a lot of togetherness there so yeah get down there and they beat West Brom easily in the end didn't they Dave you they know, showed character we could to come back from not the best the first half no. um, and, and came back got a, that really good penalty well cracking penalty and then the second half they just took control of the game and won 3-1 didn't they and then they Amber Hughes scored well. Amber Hughes has scored nine goals in eight games you know she's like this Steve ball of uh, of the seat of the, their season at the moment so you know the, the, please go down there was nearly 900 fans there you know it's a bit of a shame for me that they moved to Telford they had to because the ground it's wasn't fit for purpose at, at Castlecroft if they do move up the leagues um, and it is a little bit of a journey. I feel sorry for the like the local residents around Castlecroft that used to walk down to the game, um, who are probably missing out. But there's still 900 people there, so get down there, support them, and and they interact. All the girls interact with all the fans. The managers will speak to you. The staff will speak to you, and you get like a close sort of bird's eye view of how you know the club is run, and um, uh, it's good to see. So. Jason, have you had a chance to get down yourself recently to, to see the ladies? I haven't, no, but I interviewed uh, Dan McNamara on uh, yeah. the podcast, and, and honestly, he was brilliant. Um, yeah. And I've also, um, oh, who, did, who did I interview? Manny, remind me. <laughs> oh, Anna Price. The captain. Anna, Anna Price, Price, sorry. Yeah. Anna Price, sorry, Anna. I interviewed yeah. Anna Price, and, and yeah. once again, absolutely brilliant. And I'll tell a yeah. quick story about women's football. So about 25 years ago, 
probably a bit longer actually. We was playing down at Gold, uh, like Dunstall, forgot what it was called now. It was like an indoor place. And yeah. the team we was playing didn't turn up in our little league. And there was a women's league. And the team, this other team we're playing, didn't turn up. So these girls said, we'll play you. So me and my mates were saying, we'll just put 10 past these. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that, you know, I'm not even going to put my shin pads on all that. Anyway, after about five minutes, we're 3-0 down. And, <laughs> <laughs> right. We're looking at each other. We're arguing, pushing each other. We're like, I think we ended up drawing seven all in the end. And I've never sweat so much in my life. But what I will say is, if, you yeah. know, there's so many positives around the club at the minute with the foundation, um, mm. obviously Wolves women. There's so many, you know, yes, we're having a lot of wins at the results in the Premier League, which is, you know, the, the main part of the club, I guess. But you know what? The women's, the women's football is amazing. And it's really good how it's bringing people together. I mean, that crowd, 900 people. That's, that's massive. Fantastic. That's huge, yeah. That is massive. And uh, yeah. Manny, I know why they had a bad first half because she was giving the flipping team talk. That's why I know. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I did. Know, I did dare half. them. You know, I did dare them. I said, if you've got any, is it? I'm pretty sure I actually said to them, if you've got any balls, <laughs> <laughs> if you've got any balls, if you score a goal, if they have, score, if they have, they shouldn't be playing. They, yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't be. They should be playing for us. <laughs> No, I said to him, I said, I want you to come over to the Samosa stand and grab a Samosa off me when you score. And so when they knocked the third one in and it was yeah. like the end of the game, the captain, Helen Durbin, she, she ran over and grabbed a Samosa and, and took a big bite out of it. And um, uh, which is fantastic, you know, it was brilliant. Uh, really, really lovely girls and brilliant. You know, Superb to see. It was. It was funny. You got that photo off as well, Jack. I, I, I suppose you've been down because you pretty much go to watch all the teams. Your thoughts yeah. on the progression over the last few years as well? Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, just I mean, because I work in a school and the school that I'm at, we're part of something called the Black Country School Games, and we take part in all sorts of sports. And and the feedback we're getting is that girls football, as it is, is the fastest growing participation sport in the country. There are, there are girls queuing up now to play football, to get involved in local teams. There's just not enough teams in some places for them yeah. to get involved. I mean, I remember two years ago, maybe we took our, our girls' team to, to a tournament at uh, next to the Hawthorne, so had me injections before we went. And uh, I think there's only three teams turned up. And this time we went this year, there was 12. So it's grown wow. fourfold in, in, in a couple of years. And I think it's fantastic. And, and I think someone's just put in the comments, football is for everyone. And I think that is yeah. so true. I think yeah. whatever... You know, whatever race, whatever gender you are, football is, is about enjoyment. And I think whether you're, you know, like we've just said, it's for everyone to enjoy. And I think it's fantastic. And I anyone would, who's got I would that say to everyone on, as well, yeah. if you've not been to a women's game, it's like what Manny said. It's like, it's actually really entertaining. And then what's the Lionesses when they played as well? And we were all gripped through the European Championships and stuff. So, yeah. you know, and if you want to really taste it, go down to... Uh, to the new Bookshead Stadium and actually taking a game, taking the atmosphere, and I, you, I, I dare you not to come out having enjoyed it and enjoyed mm. the atmosphere and the day because it's still football. Okay, yeah. it's not on a Premier League level it, no. and stuff like that, but it's still good, isn't it? That's a good comment. What Rebecca made that, that football is for everyone and not just for men because if she'd watched how me, you, and Manny played days. <laughs> My brand downstairs, he's 14, he could have done better. He could have, yeah, man. You know, it, it really is, you know, and um, uh, we've, we've just got to encourage everybody, you know, to, to do as much as they can in different in different aspects of the club. You know, it's not just yeah. 
yeah, it, we we concentrate so much on the first team, but there's so many yeah. different avenues. What they do with the kids, what they do with disability, di yeah. disabled athletes. They do walking football, Friday evening football. They so many different activities for Wolf fans to get involved in. You know, um, obviously sleepouts coming soon, and you know people should um, uh, sign up to that if they can do it on November the 18th. That's a really really good event, and so there's lots of different aspects of the club that you can get involved in and you get your kids involved as well so you know the kids the amount of girls that go to the women's games you know they're just there's just a, a line of girls waiting for like photographs and autographs afterwards and um uh, yeah so get get yourselves down there and um bucket list to get down to Salford you ain't got a very good bucket list you right whoever that was <laughs> anyway let's look ahead to uh the game at the weekend uh it's going to be Leicester. You never know. It might be a new manager. He might be in the stands. Steve Davis and co. preparing the team. Um, Leicester not having the best start of the season as well. Wolves managed to get that victory against Forest last week. If we do win the game against Leicester at the weekend, we'll be on 12 points from 12 games, which is enough over the season, a point a game. Um, Jack, your expectations ahead of that one? I mean, I think if we're being honest, we're probably back to where we were before the Forest game, where we're just sitting here thinking we just need to win. We just, mm -hmm. even if we're not the best performance, if it's a scrappy one-nil win with a deflection, we've got to take it at this point, haven't we? Because we just need to get points on the board. I think the whole the manager situation, I think, may well be resolved by then, which I think will be a lift for everyone. I mean, again, like we were saying when we were chatting at, at Samoa Saturday before the, the Forest game, it was it was a distraction, wasn't it? Everyone was talking about Nuno and and all this kind of thing. They weren't talking about the game. Whereas I think once we've got this manager in place, if it is Beal and if he's in this dugout or if he's in the stands, whatever, that then means everyone can then focus on what's going on the pitch. I thought the atmosphere was fantastic against Forest. I was, I was quite nervous going into it because I thought it would be jumpy and edgy, but it was really, really good. And I think if we can get that again against Leicester, and if someone said earlier in the comments, we've got to get at them from the start. I mean, their defensive record is a shambles this year. So if we get an early goal, I think they'll be thinking, oh, here we go again. We're going to let in two or three here. We've got to start positively and we've got to finish it off as well. We can't go Score into prediction. our towards the end. Score prediction, Jack? Uh, I'm going to go 1 0 again. 1 0 Wolves. Costa. Costa. Mane. Um, I'm, uh, you know, again, Jack's right. You know, it's it's gone into that situation again where points are the most important thing. It's not about performances anymore. We've played enough pretty football. No more flicks, please, Pedence and Guedes. No more, you know, little back heels. You used to see one back heel a season. He used to, like, get on some highlights video. Now you see about seven of them. In, Pedence in loves a back heel. Yeah, you know, when, when you're chasing the game, just want to get play the simple ball, play the forward ball, play more progressive football. And, and if we produce even 90%, 80% of the first half against Palace against Leicester, then we'll win the game because, you know, against Forest, we didn't play brilliantly, but we got the result. But we need to, Leicester, we can get at them defensively, but we know Leicester, you know, likes of Madison and Gamerard, uh, yeah. right? They've got some decent forward players, Harvey Barnes, they've got some really decent forward players like Palace had as well. So it's not, you know, a foregone conclusion, especially with the way we've been playing. But one thing I liked was um, Steve Davis before the Forest game. He called for an atmosphere. He called on the fans to make Molyneux a bit of a fortress. I don't think Bruno Large ever did that in his time, you know. And um, uh, Nuno used to do it a lot, and, and Steve Davis did it as well. If we can get the appointment of uh, Beal sort of announced beforehand, that will 
you know, it just gets a murmur and it gets a bit of excitement created amongst the fans before they get to the match. And hopefully the, you know, all you need is one Bubakar Triore late challenge, you know, and gets a ticking off and it raises all the crowd and everybody gets behind the team and, and, and hopefully roar onto a win. And I'm going to go for our first two goal cushion. Nine months. <laughs> I'm going to go for two nil. And, um, uh, you know, that's, that's just, you know, you've got to, you've got to make that Molyneux can be a fearful, you know, place for any, any opposition. We've, we've heard players from opposition side say in the past, you know, oh, bloody hell, going to Molyneux is a real, real hard place and, and the fans really get on your back and and we need to do that we need to you know lift it especially if we get this a new appointment and um uh, really roar our team off and i said today two extra goals still would have been a paltry season but you know say fulham and bournemouth two extra goals in those two games puts your mid table puts your two points off seven and everybody's thinking mm, it's not too bad, is it? So we're not a million miles away because the league, apart from two or three sides, is a, a bit of a much of a muchness, you know. And we can we literally competed with every single side we've played against. We just keep coming out on the wrong end. So hopefully um, on Sunday we can come out the right end. I like the yeah. two goals, Manny. Jason, for you. Um, yeah, for me, Leicester aren't great defensively, as we can see, but they are very good going forward, as as Manny and Jack have said, with the likes of uh, Madison, etc. Yeah. But they are fighting for their lives, so they're going to come to Molyneux, wanting three points, make no mistake, and they are a much, much, much better side than Forest. Whichever way you look at it, they are. You know, they've got a better team. Um, these players have played together for a while, so it is going to be a really tough game. Uh, I'm going for a 1-0 Neves. Uh, I think Nevis is going to score again. But if we do lose, I've got my banner ready saying Davey says. <laughs> <laughs> Manny, you got any uh, questions on your Facebook side of things? I know, actually, I, uh, um, again, all I say is there's a lot of comments, not questions about, oh, this is a panic appointment. You know, he must have been fifth choice. He must have been this. What about Nuno? So I just say to people, you know, don't just look at, the name because you haven't heard of him and he hasn't been fashionable. Look at his past, look at his interviews, look at what other players, other professionals, you know, Gerard Martinez is a very experienced goalkeeper. You know, he's, you don't get, especially Gerard, you don't get, I never heard Klopp talking about his assistant. I've never heard Guardiola talk about his assistant. Gerard was talking about Michael Beale. He's the brains. He does everything. I am light years behind him. You don't get a manager openly admitting that, you know. And um, Mick McCarthy uh, used to do it about Terry Connor. <laughs> did he? <laughs> he did, well, there's, yeah. a, there's a few questions on uh, on Twitter. Um, we've got one. Do you think that Rob Edwards will be coming along with Bill if he takes the job, as he just missed out on another job? Are as part of the uh, the setup possible? Well, I, I think Rob Edwards wants to manage, doesn't he? And that's why yeah. Michael Bills obviously cut his ties with Steven Gerrard. And I think Rob Edwards wants to manage. Would he accept a number two role again? You know, he, he's done a he's done a good job. I mean, the Watford job, he, he had to take that job because it, it is a big job. Um, was it a step too far? Maybe, maybe not. But listen, you're a dead man walking as soon as you take the Watford job. So I think for Rob, he, he deserves he deserves a chance to go on his own. Mm. Absolutely. I, the only thing I'd say is. Um, 
that also proves to me that Wolves were also looking at young, homegrown managers. If yeah. they've gone Edwards and now they've gone Bale, that they've also, alongside looking at you know the the Mendes channel or the Portuguese channel, they've also looked at young, hungry British managers. So you know that which is a good thing because literally they've always sort of you know just wrong George up and said <laughs> get us something because we're struggling. So. That, that's a good thing, and 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 he may, he may not. We'll see. But like Jay says, he probably, after being a manager, he wants to probably continue being a manager. And uh, Jack, a question uh, for you. Final question tonight before we close the show. Coming up to the ninety-minute whistle, uh, Jack. Uh, if Bill does get the job or whoever gets the job, do you think Fosen will uh, open the purse strings to uh, support the manager in January? I think they're probably going to have to, aren't they? I think we need a striker in January, regardless of who the manager is, regardless of where we are in the league table at that time. We need to bring reinforcements in in strikers. I think in terms of whether it's Michael Beale, I think because he's a, a orientated towards his coaching, he'll probably say, actually, I want to see what I can get out of this group of players first before I sort of start spending loads of money and bringing this player, this player, this player. Let's see what I can do with this group first. Yes, I'll bring in reinforcements up front, but... Let me see what I can do with this group of players before I start sort of splashing the money. So I wouldn't expect a massive sort of investment in January. I think they will go and get a striker. Yeah, I'd love mm. someone like Ivan Tony, but whether that's realistic in January, I don't know. But we'll have to see. Oh, you might. I'd love Ivan Tony in yeah. this team. Oh. So would every other team, I think. Yeah. I'd take Tony Daly at the minute. I'd say, <laughs> you know, you break down again. Terrible, I'd the thing after half an hour. <laughs> No, um, uh, yeah, you know, the money spending, we've already spent 100 million quid. Yeah. So our going to go out and do it again. I no. just think, you know, that there's a problem we've got and the problem, there's a real problem somewhere with Raul, and uh, let's be honest, you know, it just seems a very, very strange situation. Yeah. Nobody's really clearly talking about what the injury is, no. how long it will take. And he's in Mexico. Having but, yeah, they but they've yeah. used the, the, the. It's come out. Oh, it's potentially something with his groin. So why is he going yeah. all the way to Mexico on a? I don't understand, man. I don't he understand. Wants to, he wants to play in the World Cup and the Mexico. Yeah, that, but but that shouldn't be the priority. He should be getting fit for us. The thing with the, the Jack exactly says, that. you know, he wants to. He'll probably want to look at these players. But the problem is, um, between now and the transfer window opening, there's five games, isn't there? That's yeah. what he's got. He's yeah. got two at Chris two at Christmas. He's got if he's not in charge of Leicester, he's only got three more. So he's got five games before the transfer window opens because of yeah. this stupid, ridiculous winter World Cup. So it's gonna be like but in a way, maybe that's a good thing because he gets this six week preseason with his squad. Well, so I have can... been told that they they are going on a Dubai training camp, the ones that aren't um actually with the out away on international duty, they will be going to uh, Dubai training camp during the World Cup. So it's a good, like you say, it would be like a pre-season, wouldn't it? Well, maybe that's the that, that that's probably done the deal for him. He's got a holiday in Dubai. <laughs> maybe you know, but that'll be a good thing, I think, for the new manager. I think a lot of clubs will come this winter break. Because there'll be this six-week period. That's when clubs like the Villas and the Leicesters and anybody who's down there struggling will make their decisions and say, let's get someone in so they've got this period to work before the season restarts again. 
Absolutely. Listen, guys, it's been an absolutely fantastic. We're literally coming up to the final whistle, the 90-minute mark. Um, Manny, how's your recovery on going? You know, are you just having a little bit of a downtime now before your next epic... Uh, Mate, there's nothing planned. Honestly, people say, what's next plan? There's nothing. I'm pretty much, you know, we'll go week by week and see if anything comes up. But there's nothing planned this year. Just I'm back in the gym. I've been back in the gym just to get on your Instagram story. Legs moving again and and, and they're still a little bit sore. But, um, uh, you know, it's been fantastic what, you know, all the fundraisers like, you know, Jason does so much. We've had... We just see Neil Taylor climbing, you know, everybody mounted in the world. You know, yeah. it's fantastic what people at Wolves do together to raise. Literally, I, I remember speaking to the Express Star last. I said, I said, if you actually total up all the fundraisers who help out in the name of the club and use the fan base, it literally goes into millions of pounds. And that's you know fantastic and should be applauded and celebrated and and every every fan's got a part to play every single fan so um, you know. I mean, Manny, with you with you walking to Chelsea and Neil walking up all these mountains, I genuinely have trouble walking up the stairs. I'll sponsor you. Yeah, please do. I'll Jason walks up the stairs. <laughs> and there is a, then one day there will be that book that we've been talking about coming. You've got plenty of chapters. Uh, uh, we'll have to write a joint book that, uh, joint book about um, how to mute followers on Twitter and save your, <laughs> save your you know, just save it'll yourself. Be a, it'll be a bestseller, that will. <laughs> we'll get, Jay, we'll get uh, Jason in on that one as well. We won't ask Jack because he don't do Twitter very well. Yeah, Jack's dodging a bullet. Good man, Jack. He is, yeah. Jack, um, what are you up to in the world at the moment? And, you know, tell anyone that you, anything interesting going on with yourself or... Just following the team? Just following the team, really, isn't it? I mean, I think, obviously, World Cup's on the horizon, isn't it? So, I think, I don't know how people feel. I'm not kind of overly keen on this World Cup. I don't feel the same buzz as, as what everyone else is kind of, not what you normally do. So, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm not sure quite how many players we'll have going, actually. Because, I mean, we were talking, weren't we, before about, all oh, we'll have massive disruption. I, I think maybe four or five. Yeah. Or Portuguese, probably. <laughs> yeah, and and Wang, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, yeah. So, looking forward to to seeing the World Cup how it plays out in the winter. So, I mean, and then Boxing Day fixture, and we're back at it. Jason, yeah. um, just let everyone know. I've just decided listen, take a listen to Jason's Wolf Whistle podcast. Absolutely brilliant. Love it. Always listen to every episode. I uh, recently had Bully on there, got Jeff Thomas coming out this week and you've got a few events coming up over the uh, the next period. You just want to let people know about that? Yeah, very quickly. So Jeff Thomas, we did, uh, recorded a podcast with him earlier in the week. He was absolutely brilliant, spoke about his leukaemia battle. He spoke about, obviously, joining Wolves. He spoke about the injury against Sunderland, where it all went wrong, etc. So that was a great podcast. So that comes out on Friday. The events we've got. Greatest manager in Wolves history, Dean Saunders. is at the Mount Hotel next week. Looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, 27th of October. So he's going to bring the house down. He actually rung me the other day, by the way. And he was going, oh, I don't really want to talk about my time at Wolves. And I said, that's all I've advertised. You've got to, Dean. But he Have was you not talk about the time at Wolves? He, he was trying to back it. Oh, I'll talk about my Ridiculous. career at Villa in Liverpool. And I went, listen, I said, look, look. Anyway, he's going to do it. because so I've talked to him. So I've told him he's got to do it. Uh 1st of December, we've got the um, Wolves All-Stars Christmas Party with the Wolfpack House. the table. So that's always a great night. And on the 4th of December, 
which is the Sunday. We're at the Mount Hotel again for the memorabilia fair. There's six or seven stalls, loads of memorabilia, so we chance to get some bargains and some Christmas gifts. Fantastic. Excellent. Guys, yeah. listen, uh, thank you ever so much for joining tonight. It's been a great podcast. We're just into the fourth minute of added time. And you never know that by the weekend, we could have a new manager is in <laughs> who is the real Bill. <laughs> There's a tumbleweed moment if ever I've heard one. Guys, thank and you then there was silence that. and everybody switched off. <laughs> it was that moment. <laughs> and the real Bill. Guys, uh, thanks everyone that's joining the chat. We've went well, well over 150 watching. If you're watching it back on the live catch-up or on the podcast, I uh, really hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next one. We're only four short of 100, uh, which would be a major... Uh, Bloody hell, 100. Well, so we'll Are you going to have something special lined up there? <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I will. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that, see what we can sort out for that. Guys, uh, for myself, Jason, Jack and Manny, love to you and your families, wherever you are. Keep the face. Out of darkness cometh light. Always wolves. Always wolves. Cheers. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates are already booked in for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.